Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. What's up, my dudes? What's up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast. Broadcasting live on this Friday afternoon, we've got so much to talk about. There's so much going on in the world of sports, high school sports, college sports, uh, pro sports. Um, we're going to have my buddy, Coach Brian Colley, South Lafouche Athletic Director, to talk about some things going on over at South Lafouche High School. We'll have him in the next segment. Um, we have, like I said, a whole slew of sports things that we'll talk about in the back end of the show um, I feel like I've not done this in forever. Uh, Hurricane Laura and Marco postponed me last week, preempted me last week. Um, so we'll kind of get back into the routine of things. We'll have our sports betting blitz. I'll finish off a lot of the, the NFL. And, uh, you know, then next week's show, we'll, we'll wrap up all the rest of the teams that are left on the betting blitz. Um, before we start today's show and kind of really get into it, this is going to be difficult for me to do. Bear with me. Um, I'm going to pause very quickly for 10 seconds. Um, uh, 10 seconds is, is uh, it's the least we could do. Let's have a moment of silence for Tremaine Mack, a young man who is local to this area who passed away from cancer yesterday. He's still a teenager. He's a high school student, man. It's... Let's pause for 10 seconds to remember Tremaine's life, and then I'll say a couple of words about the young man. Okay, welcome back to the Casey's Corner Podcast. Um, I hate that I have to do this. Um, Tremaine Mack was a young man that I met when he was young, before he was sick, talented athlete. And I never had like formally met him, but I'd always watched him play and everything from afar. I formally got a chance to meet him after he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, did a story on him with the Home of Times when I was a reporter for them. Um, the thing, man, I'm fighting back tears. I don't want to break down and cry on the air. Um, but if it comes out, it comes out. Um, the thing about Tremaine that is so inspiring to me is the fact that even when dealing with some of the most difficult things that a human being could deal with in life um, cancer being in your body and not knowing how much time you had left Tremaine always had the rare ability to find the positive in every situation up until even the, the day that he unfortunately passed away earlier this week. Um, did a story on him a couple years ago. Ever since that story, every once in a while I would text and check in, see how he was doing. Always had a positive outlook, was always looking forward so much to getting back and playing the sports that he loved to play. Um, always, you know, in person when you'd see him, oh, hey, Mr. Casey, how you doing? Um, even when I knew 
that, you know, he was uneasy and, and feeling certain type of way. He was always able to shun that off and, you know, give you a smile, give you a how you're doing. Um, an absolutely tremendous young man that's now gone from our community. Um, to the Mac family, I'm so sorry for your loss. And we're praying uh, for peace and comfort for you all in this time of need. Um, to anyone who's who's known Tremaine, um, you're better having known him. He's, he was such a great and, and humble and respectful young man. And our community lost a friend and, and someone who um, had every bit of potential to be a future leader in our community. Um, fly high, my friend. Um, to know that you're gone sucks. Uh, to know that there are so many people that I know and care about that are hurting sucks. Um, but to know also that you're now not um, in pain and are free from suffering is gives us a little bit of comfort and a little bit of relief. Fly high, my friend. Um, and you know, just know that there are a lot of people here that, that, that uh, care about you greatly, my man. That's the second time I've had to do this on this show, and if it get, doesn't get any easier, it sucks every time. But this is the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. Getting into our normal swing of things, uh, as we said, Coach Brian Colley will be joining us in the next segment. Big news in Louisiana high school athletics to report. We are having a high school football season uh, this fall. Mr. Bonine talked about that. I'll break all of that down and more. Um, but because we talked about uh, that heavily in the Coach Colley interview, which will air before our sports segment, I'll kind of give you kind of a synopsis. Speaking before lawmakers today, um, LHSA uh, Executive Director Eddie Bonine said, we are having high school football in Louisiana regardless of the season, or regardless of the phase, rather, that we're in in the state's reopening. Previously, our reopening plan was predicated on uh, football contact happening in Phase 3, football games happening in Phase 4. Mr. Bonine said today, no bueno, we are playing regardless of the phase. Um they're going to issue a revised calendar next week, which is going to detail when teams could start contact, when teams could, you know, begin rocking and rolling, and that start date will not change. It's going to be October the 9th. What we don't have guidance on is how many games are going to be played, how many teams are going to be in the playoffs, all this crazy stuff that we're still trying to figure out. But uh, a lot of folks will be relieved to hear that we will, we will be having a high school football season uh, in the fall. So we look forward very much to that. Um, we're going to also talk some college football and some college sports in general. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. My Houston Rockets skated through the opening round. I'm still just barely now getting my pulse rate down after the Game 7 win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, as we said, we'll do our betting blitz. I'll grade myself today. I made some MLB predictions on this show um, a couple of weeks ago as the season was starting, I'll grade myself. We're now at the halfway point. I hit some of them out the park. I struck out on some of them. I'll be honest with myself and we'll, we'll break all that down. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I miss doing this. Uh, last week, as we said, we took a little bit of a sabbatical. The, the storms were passing. My workload was crazy busy. Uh, so we didn't do a show, but we look forward to getting back at it, being full steam ahead. Our COVID-19 numbers, I'll touch on that briefly and then we'll take a break. Um, we're doing an excellent job in terms of limiting the spread of COVID-19 in our state. Our hospitalizations spiked to 1,600 at the peak of this latest wave. 
that number today is now down all the way to 800 and let's see is the wheels are spinning 808 covid patients are hospitalized so we've cut that number now in half our ventilator use is now back below 100 it's 96 total we have now reported three straight days of death totals that are under 20 so um congratulations to you all the people of louisiana for buying into some of the things that have been put on us that have been kind of difficult to accept people didn't like masking mandates people fought them tooth and nail and accurately fought them tooth and nail because they obviously work and we're seeing that they work now um but you guys have bought in a little bit more and our numbers have reversed course because of it um now with that having been said we have been down this road before. We have dropped our COVID hospitalizations once from 2100 down to 552. And then we had a second wave. And why we had a second wave? Because we went back and we discussed this on the podcast. We went back to March mode. And what I mean by March mode is not following any guidance, doing whatever the hell we want to do and um, not practicing any measures of safety at all. Um, we did that in the summer, early summer, people freaked out. Oh my God, it's the summer. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we paid for it dearly. So my message now is, um, as we're starting to get some progress and as we're starting to get some things back that we really desperately want, be it football, be it whatever it may be, we've also got to cooperate with COVID-19 and don't just forget that it exists. If we work with the virus and cooperate with the measures that are in place, we're not going to have a third wave, or if we do, it's going to be far smaller than the first and the second. But if we rest on our laurels, get lazy, get complacent, then we're going to be in a, in a situation where things are going to start get taken away again. Um, so let's not do that. Let's learn from our history. History repeats itself. We cannot do life as normal until there are proper medical procedures and vaccines in place that will allow us to do life as normal. So instead of doing life as normal in March, let's do life as the new normal in July whenever we started to change this momentum and get things back in place um, to where we could get to the point of having football and all these other things of that sort. So just be cautious. The reason why I'm mentioning this is it's Labor Day weekend and the governor's office has tracked our first or rather our second COVID spike back to Memorial Day. Um, an overwhelming number of the early cases in that spike were tracked to people who had gone do crazy things during Memorial Day. So um, let's not do that again. Let's learn from our history. Let's not make those same mistakes. And let's put this joker in our rearview mirror once and for all, please. I know we're all tired of it. Let's catch a commercial break when we get back. South LaFouche Athletic Director Brian Colley. Then we'll wrap up with a sports segment where we talk about a whole bunch of stuff. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Let's take a quick break to welcome our new Casey's Corner sponsors, Ortho LA. Ortho LA is committed to improving the lives of patients by providing effective, innovative orthopedic care with the highest level of integrity, compassion, and professionalism. Ortho LA has seven board-certified and fellowship-trained surgeons that focus on the diagnosis and treatment of conditions, disorders, and the injuries of muscles, bones, joints, tendons, ligaments, and nerves. Ortho LA has five locations in the area and they accept all patients, including children, and they treat a wide variety of ailments, sports injuries, chronic conditions, workplace injuries, and others. Ortho LA accepts most major insurance companies and no referral is required. 
providing expert care close to home. That's Ortho LA. Check them out today. Hi, this is professional basketball player Randy Brown. Keep listening to Casey's Corner Podcast on thefushgazette.com. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, my good buddy, South LaFouche Athletic Director and Boys Basketball Coach Brian Colley. Coach Colley, good afternoon, man. How are you? Good afternoon. Doing well. Coach, um, very busy day. I don't know um, how much you've been able to follow it because you guys are, you know, back on campus doing, you know, learning with students and teaching and everything. Um, but Mr. Bonine spoke before lawmakers today and basically said, hey, um, it doesn't matter what phase we're in. We're having high school football. Um, what have you heard about this? What guidance have you gotten in recent days? And, and I guess, you know, give us an update of what you guys know and, and where things stand currently. Well, well, we had, like you said, we've been in class all day and uh, my phone just started blowing up, uh, you know, and coaches texting. Hey, we're back playing, we're back playing and all this stuff. And really, I, I don't know exactly what happened. Just all I know is now we... Uh, we're still on for the October 9th playing date, and uh, more guidance will hopefully come out uh, next week. And th- that's kind of what happened, just to kind of fill you in. He he basically said, you know, hey, we're going forward regardless of phases, and then we're going to release a uh, revised calendar in the coming days, which will tell teams when they could practice in pads and, and all that. Um, the, the school has been now reopened to on-campus learning for a little bit, and before that you guys were doing the virtual, but the locker rooms were back opened up. Uh, since getting back into the buildings, have you guys have any have, have you guys had any issues at all? No, none at all. Look, our, our kids are great. Uh, wearing the mask all day and, and complying with all these uh, rules that we have in place, they've been super. It's uh, it's been a pleasure this week, and you know we opened up uh, Monday and Tuesday with our AP schedule, and it went fine. And uh, this week went went really really good uh, at Southwood High School, and I, you got to give credit to our, our kids, our athletes, and our students for coming in and, and following the guidelines and, and making the best out of a, a crazy situation. Coach, we're at a point where, you know, next week we're going to be having some high school sports. What I mean by that is volleyball is going to be opening up their seasons and cross country and swimming are getting near to the start of their seasons as well. Um, it's a year unlike any other. Uh, so so are we ready to rock and roll down the bay? Yeah, we are. You know, yeah, it, it's crazy because you have all this uh, – work you got to do planning now with the, the different guidelines to make sure you're complying with all the, the different guidelines in place and as soon as we think we have something set in stone and then we come here to school the next day and something changes so then we got to tweak the plan a little bit and i was just talking uh with coach Corey collie about our swim meet where we're going to start i believe it's on the 14th we'll have our first swim meet and you know we got all these strict guidelines in place and i said it's great to have, you know, all this in place, but when we get back after the Labor Day holiday, when uh, Mr. Bonine sends us for the guidance, uh, some of this could change, and uh, hopefully it's going to change with some uh, looser restrictions on the, what we presently have in place. One thing that, that Mr. Bonine said today um, was that he's pushing for there to be 50% admission based on stadium capacities. Now, he also said that he understands that those decisions will be made by the school districts and by parish governments, but he's recommending 
So off top of your head, what is 50% of Memorial Stadium's admission? What's you know the, the, the capacity of the stadium? You know, really, uh, I'm not quite sure. I know that's going to be one of my tasks uh, early next week to get in that stadium and actually count the seats that we do have. But I know one thing, we're in a better place than most people because we have a, uh, one of the biggest stadiums around. So uh, I think it'd be no problem for us to get all of our fans in, in that stadium on a Friday night. Very good. And, and in terms of uh, another thing that was addressed, he said it's going to be the responsibility of schools to – you know, have volunteers on hand to be doing the temperature checks or the health checks or whatever it may be. And, you know, look, it's easy to say, you know, hey, all right, we'll, we'll do this. But if there's 700 people at a football game, that's going to be a lot of work, you know, to make sure that everybody's getting their temperature checked and this, that, and the other. Have you guys, you know, kind of formulated a plan yet for what that's going to look like on Friday nights? Uh, no, we have not. And, you know, the good thing about it, we still have some time where, uh, you know, before we have to uh, actually get this plan in place. But it's, it's going to definitely be a challenge because you look at, you know, let's say 700 people, uh, you still have the social distance and, and all this stuff. So uh, it's definitely going to be a challenge for us and getting the volunteers. I don't think it should be a problem for us doing that. But, uh, you know, definitely it's going to be done before kickoff because nobody's going to miss that first kickoff because you're talking to Tarpons taking on the Trojans that uh, <laughs> on our home field on a, at Friday in October uh, is going to be very exciting for, uh, for everyone. So we talked a little bit earlier in the segment about volleyball starting, and I know that that's going to look very much different than what it's used to. Um, I believe a home match next Thursday. Give us kind of a, a sneak peek of what that's going to look like inside the gym and what people may be able to do outside of the gym to view the match potentially. Yeah. Well, as it stands today, right now at this moment, uh, we can only have 25 athletes in a gym. Uh, that's uh, with both teams. So uh, you have to coordinate with the other team coming in, how many kids they're going to have and how many kids we have to make sure we're not over the 25. Then you're going to have, uh, as it stands, and it's stated to us, 10 adults can be in there. Now, those 10 adults, you're talking to coaches, the officials, if we have security so, and uh, administration. So uh, there's going to be basically there will be no parents uh, at all, you know, in in the gym for this first game. But what we're going to do, we're teaming up with uh, ESPN 100.3, KLRZ, uh, Truck Disclare, uh, yourself, and we're going to have a live streaming uh, of the game. And we're working out the details right there. We're going to try and get it early next week. Uh, a letter out to the community uh, telling them how they can go ahead, they can log on. It can be... Uh, by game, you can. It's gonna be a pay-per-view system, where it can be per game, or we're gonna have some type of season package out there, where you can purchase for the entire season. So uh, we'll, we'll have it out there where parents and community can watch our uh, volleyball team compete. Very good. And talk a little bit more about football for a second, and then we'll kind of shift and talk about uh, your squad on the basketball side. Um, one thing that I think is is so interesting is that. You know, coaching is a profession where it's very difficult to make people happy. And more times than not, people are, as you know, are going to be unhappy. And and one thing that I think has been so interesting about this summer is I've not heard anybody say anything negative about what the Tarpon football program is doing. People are excited about the energy Coach Young is bringing and the way he's handled the workouts and the restrictions. He's been, you know, very responsible and open to some of the guidance and everything like that. Um, talk about the job he's been doing because I know people down the by seem to be very pleased and, 
and uh, it looks like we've got a guy that, that that's doing a good job so far. Well, well, first of all, for a good coach, and what makes a good coach, in my opinion, is the ability to adapt and adjust to certain situations. And he has shown this, uh, his ability to just to adapt and adjust to certain things thrown at him just throughout this summer was uh, it, it was unreal because he uh, he doesn't panic about things. And you go up to him and say, look, coach, uh, this is what we have to do. And he's going to find a way to adjust his plans to, to make sure it's done. So, uh, and I think that the team's going to take that philosophy uh, with them. He's going to, it's going to be kind of a, you know, they relax, they just go, they can play, have fun. He's going to bring a disciplined uh, team out on that field. They're going to be organized. And I think his uh, offensive system, it could uh, surprise some people. And if our kids can uh, can execute that system, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. Coach, um, now let's talk a little bit of basketball. Um, if, we're, if we're starting football on October the 9th, and we're playing an eight-game season, you do the math, that carries football well into December. Mr. Bonine has said many times, well, not many times, but a couple of times, you know, hey, we're not planning on changing the season dates for anything else. Um, that hamstrings basketball in a big way. Uh, what, what, if anything, are you guys doing to kind of adjust and push back some dates to, you know, make sure that you guys have your, your, your squad available? Because, I mean, basketball is the middle sport, and, and you guys are dependent on getting football players available so that you could have your team at full strength. How's that going to work if your season start date isn't pushed back? Well, in, in this whole epidemic, and when everyone's talking, you know, beginning, like in the, throughout the summer, they, they'd all deal about uh, flopping seasons and, you know, all this stuff. Basketball was never mentioned. They mentioned the, the fall sports. They mentioned the spring sports. The winter sports we just never talked about. And you, you're right, it, it's going to cause a big problem in basketball because it's not fair to anyone that if our football team is playing a regular season football game that our kids have to play a regular season basketball game maybe that same week and i'm not talking about the same kids playing but just as a a school-wide program i don't think it's fair to do that and and my stance is we're not going to do that and you know i get it when the football team makes the playoffs some years and we have a basketball game. Well, that, that's part of it. But when you got two regular season sports playing and major sports at the same time, uh, I, I think it's something that's uh, that needs to be looked at and that we're not going to do. And it will push our season back. And look, with an eight-game football season, I was speaking to Coach Young this morning. I said, if we can get an eight-game football season, what a huge win is that for high school athletics this, this year, considering – everything we went through, that you're only going to lose two games. And that, that would be remarkable. And hopefully for, for our seniors especially and everyone involved, that we can get an eight-game season. And if it pushes our basketball season back further a little bit, that's fine. You know, we can uh, – I'm, I'm good with playing. If we have to wait until January to play, it's fine. But, you know, I think they can get some things done with even uh, December. We can start playing some basketball games. And uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be tough, and we got to get some guidelines from uh, Mr. Bornheim. But if he thinks that the basketball season is going to, um, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, but if the basketball season is going to start on time, uh, I, I really don't see that happening. Have you guys heard anything about when the state championship games are going to be? Because I'm doing the math right now. 
if we start on October the 9th and you count the Fridays and the 8th Friday would be November 27th, which would mean the playoffs would start December 4th. Um, you do the math from there. If you have a normal four-round playoff like we usually have, the state championships would be December 25th, which which we know is not going to happen. That's Christmas Day. So have you guys heard anything about the playoffs being shortened or you know condensed? What What's some of the things you're hearing there? No, we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard uh, if we play in a six, seven, or eight-game season, much less if the playoffs. But the LHSA has to decide it, it, where they want – the championship games played. Because I think a lot of it has to do, if they want those games in the dome, then that might affect you playing six, seven, or you might have to play a six or seven game season. If they could push the dome, the dome will not, the state championship will not be that same weekend normally in the dome. That's going to be pushed back. If they can secure the dome in late December, early January, then I think we can maybe get an eight-game schedule and play in a dome. If we get away from the dome and let the schools play at their own home stadium, then, you know, you can play in the eight-game schedule easy and don't worry about the dome and have your regular playoffs and play uh, the championship game in the home stadiums. Very good. And, and in terms of, um, you know, again, shifting back to basketball, what are you guys able to do right now? I know that, that you're restricted in terms of, you know, you, you guys are like football. You can't be doing contact and different things like that. On a normal day in the gym, what can you guys physically do right now? Well, we can go uh, with four players to one coach right now. And uh, Miss Jeremy has asked uh, all of our sports, and I'm along the same lines with her, let, let's uh, let school start a couple of weeks and get everything situated, settled down. Then we can let these sports that are out of season start with their four athletes to one coach session. So, uh, so right now we're kind of on hold. We're getting all our paperwork in and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we can start getting our kids in the gym a little bit, starting to get some shooting. Uh, I'm finally, uh, you know, I'm getting some kids contacting me now. They, they want to get back in the gym. So hopefully, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we can get all this ironed out and, and get our kids, uh, with some more. What awful timing. I mean, you guys are in a position where you lose almost, you know, the, the entire varsity rotation because you had so many seniors last year. This was going to be a big off season for you guys either way. And then now to have the entire off season pretty much get washed out, uh, you guys got a lot of catching up to do and not a lot of time. Yeah, you're right. We do. And look, we got some kids who decided to go out and play football their senior year, which, uh, like Sydney Bruce, he's going to, be a huge asset for that football team this year and you know I'm, i can't wait to see him on that football team produce because he's gonna he's gonna do a good job for him but uh, with basketball wise again that's gonna be you know someone uh, another football player that we won't have until after that football season uh, is over with so uh yeah we got a lot of work to do we got uh eight seniors i believe it was to replace and uh you know uh, a kid or two may not come back this year uh, concentrated on different sports uh, you know, and that's their choice, and we're going to live with it. But, uh, yeah, we have a lot of work to do. we got some young kids, and we're going to have to get ready. And uh, That's why it's important for us to get back in that gym as soon, as soon as possible. Coach, in terms of – I know you kind of touched on this a minute ago, but um, <clears throat> I know you guys had some early season games that were, that were scheduled, and, and you started early last year. Have you been in communication with some of those coaches in terms of moving some of those games back? No, I, I haven't uh, – the only communication I've been in is some coaches trying to schedule games in November right now. 
which, uh, you know, we're not going to do. But I was waiting until uh, Mr. Bonine finishes uh, what he's going to do with football. And if we're going to win six, seven, or eight-game season, then that's going to let me know, uh, have a better idea of when we can actually we can start. Because if he goes with a six-game season and, uh, you know, maybe have the playoffs in football, I, you know, the different things he can go, different ways he can go with this. So uh, we're going to wait and see. And once we uh, see exactly what football is going to do and when the end date of football will be, then we'll uh, contact these schools and, and and see about our November games. But also, volleyball cannot have any tournaments. So if basketball follows the same suit, then, you know, we look at no tournaments in basketball. So uh, there's a lot to be ironed out and, uh, you know, that – time frame the winners uh getting tighter and tighter getting pretty much the clothes on us <laughs> like as if you guys don't have a hard enough job as it is man it, it, it feels like uh everything's being thrown at you um coach before we let you go um tell us a little bit about uh cross country we haven't talked about them i know that they're having to do some unique things this year to try to make sure they get their season in we touched on swimming we touched on volleyball what are some things that south cross country is going to be doing in the fall to make sure they have a season well, cross country right now, we're getting the paperwork all done with our athletes, getting them cleared uh, with the state. And, uh, Donna Martin's going to be our new uh, cross country coach. And I believe she was going to ha- have a meeting in the next couple of days, next week, I believe, uh, a meeting to get the uh, cross country started. So again, we, uh, we're a little behind in cross country with, you know, getting a new coach in and getting, um, you know, all this pandemic stuff dealing with. But we're going to try and get our athletes uh, starting to run uh, hopefully next week. Sounds like a winner. Look, Coach, thanks so much for the time, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at the volleyball gym here soon. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. We thank Coach Colley for his time, as always. I know that um, folks could rest assured we are in good hands at the South Bruce High School Athletic Department. They're going to put our community's children in the best possible position to be successful. So we uh, look forward to hearing about what's going to be happening in the coming days. Uh, Let's catch a quick break. We're going to break down everything that Mr. Bonine talked about uh, today. Uh, We're going to talk about the NBA, the MLB, college football, continue our sports betting blitz, all that and more. It's a busy sports section coming up. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LaFoucheGazette.com. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, guys, I know it's a commercial break, but it's me again. But I want to tell you guys a big secret. I know how you guys could get the news in Lafouche Parish, the hottest news, all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else. How? By getting the Lafouche Gazette app. Go to your app store, get the Lafouche Gazette app today. You'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks, anytime anything exciting happens, anytime there's anything going on in Lafouche Parish that people are talking about. We're going to be talking about it, and we're going to send it right to your phone. So go to the LaFouche Gazette app, find it on your app store today, download it, 100% free, 100% news, 100% local, 100% all the time. Download the LaFouche Gazette app today. All 
right. We thank my buddy, Coach Brian Colley, as always, for his time, giving us great information about where things stand from the perspective of South Lafouche High School Athletics. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast on LafoucheGazette.com. We've got so much to talk about. Um, I'm so excited to break this down all with you. The big news today, the news that is inescapable, it's the news we have to lead off the sports segment talking about, is the big news out of Baton Rouge, which is that Eddie Bonine, the LHSAA executive director, was speaking before lawmakers today. And he basically told Governor John Bell Edwards to stick it. Um, Not in so many words. He was obviously very respectful. Um, But people on social media would like to have you believe that he told Governor John Bell Edwards to stick it. And what I mean by that is the state uh, football season was once predicated on um, us getting into phase three of reopening. That's when padded practices were going to be able to begin phase three of reopening and then games were going to be able to begin in phase four of reopening which the LHSAA defined as two positive weeks of phase three. Um, now today Mr. Bonine speaking in Baton Rouge uh, said basically hey we're going forward no matter what phase we're in. We have been doing this all summer long. We have limited our outbreaks uh, and we think we could do this safely. Now a couple of things to consider here um, is is pressure. There's no doubt about this. We are a monkey see, monkey do, copycat society. Um, Louisiana right now is the only state in the South that's not playing football. Now, let's be honest. There are some logistical reasons why we're not. We are the ones who are last per capita in COVID cases, not those other states. Uh, we are the ones who had our hospital system almost get overtopped earlier in the spring, not those other states. But at the same time, our numbers have gotten much better. Logistics are what they are. And the State um, Athletic Association believes that they could pull this off and believes that they can make this happen. Now, one thing that I think is interesting to kind of uh, take and, and dissect a little bit Mr. Bonine said at, uh, at, at today's meeting that he is going to recommend um, that high school football games go off with 50% capacity in stadiums. If there's anything that I would like to kind of dissent to and or play devil's advocate towards, because I'm all for high school football going forward, I've said throughout the summer, that if they could work out throughout the summer, keep the cases down, they deserve the opportunity to at least try. It's America, man. Uh, you deserve the opportunity to do something until you prove that you can't do it. They've proven all summer long that they could do this safely. Give them the opportunity to try. But the 50% capacity thing, I think, this is Casey Glare saying this. This is my opinion. If you disagree with it, I'm okay with it. I'm not going to dislike you. Um, I think 50% capacity is a teeny tiny bit much. And what I mean by that is, let's take South Lafouche High School, for example. They have a huge stadium, bro. Like, we've never, and and heck, Brian said in the the last segment, he doesn't know the capacity. Let's say it's 5,000 people. You know, and I think that that's even a loose estimate. I think it's probably closer to six or 7,000. The Tarpons don't draw 1,000 people at a football game very often these days. Um, so if the capacity is 7,000, let's say, or even 6,000, and you're allowed half that, which is 3,000, you're basically not having any restriction at all. 
Um, I think the only thing that we would see is that, you know, because of social distancing measures, the away side, which is usually almost completely empty, may now have to be repositioned and, and some Tarpon fans may have to now sit on the away side um, to allow for better distancing. I think the 50% thing is a little bit much. I think that we could have maybe gotten away with the beginning of the season just being conservative, 30 35%. Because, if you, again, if you go back to that 6,000 number, that's still allowing 2,000 people into the stadium. I th- so I think 50% may be a little bit much, maybe stretching it just a little bit. I, I kind of am of the belief that as we move forward with things, it's better to take a small bite and then take a bigger bite later. So I think 50% may be a touch high. But another thing to consider is that that's just a recommendation from Mr. Bonine. Local governments could come back and say, hey, we're not doing that. School districts could come back and say, hey, we're going to tone that down a little bit. So I'm curious to see where that goes in the coming days. Um, Another thing that I think is going to be fascinating, two things actually, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, I think that it's fascinating the fact that we still don't have a a, a clue what the season's going to be. Like, you do the math. I I did it with Coach Colley during the interview. You do the math. You count the Fridays. If you play an eight-game season starting October the 9th, and then you play a 16-game playoff rather that starts at the beginning of December, like, you can't have the Dome. Mr. Bonine has already said, we have to, for us to be in the Dome, we have to be in the Dome in early December, which would be the first or second weekend of December. So for that to be a realistic possibility, we're going either either, uh, to either need to play a seven- or six-game regular season, or we're going to have to look to push the postseason back even further to late December, early January, which the high school basketball coaches won't want. Um, so the fact that we're going forward is great, but we we need to know these details. Like We need to know exactly how long the season is going to be. We need to know exactly how uh, many playoff teams, when the playoffs are going to start. We need a full, defined calendar so that we're not, frankly, excuse my expression, just pissing into the wind. We need to know these details, and we need to know them like kind of sort of right now because we're here in early September. Um, early October is going to be here before you know it. So I'm curious to see when we're going to get that guidance, what that's going to look like. And then another you know, kind of multifaceted thing here to touch on is academia, school people, education leaders, They're usually more left-leaning. So will there be a school superintendent who's going to say, Mr. LHSAA, while I love and I respect you, I'm not going against my governor. Will there be one? All it takes is one. And every other school in that respective district may suffer because of it. So I'm curious to see, will there be a district or two that says, hey, I know that the LHSA allows us to do this, but we're not doing it. We're opting out. I think that's going to be fascinating. I don't think that's an issue in Lafouche or Terrebonne. But in the cities, uh, maybe so. We're going to be curious to see. And then lastly, if they can make this all work and if they can get the Superdome, will LaToya the Destroyer allow them to play games in the Superdome with fans? Because LaToya the Destroyer, the far and away the worst politician in Louisiana and one of the worst politicians in Louisiana history, 
um, has said on record that there will not be fans in the stands at the Superdome for any event. There will not be mass gatherings in the city until 2021. The Saints have the go-ahead from the governor to have home fans in the stands for week three. She's already balked and said that that may not be a realistic possibility. So guess what? If the Saints can't have fans, John Curtis and Rumble ain't having fans in the Dome either. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as all these details begin to unfold. But it's certainly exciting to know that we're heading in the right direction. And it's also exciting to know that this time next week, I'm going to literally be at a volleyball match, covering a volleyball match, doing what I love to do. So I know I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are excited and happy about all that as well. Uh, We're going to talk some college football here. I want to touch on two things. One of them is political. One of them is just a general topic. There are some college football games this weekend. It's all a bunch of nobodies. I'm not going to touch too heavily on that. If you want to watch the games, please do enjoy. Have a drink on me. Um, I'll be watching them myself, but I'm not going to bore the average sports fan and break down an Army game or Navy versus BYU or anything like that because, by and large, most people don't care, Um, and I'm aware of that. But one thing I want to talk about is I hear all this panic and this venom about LSU football. Oh, my God, Jamar Chase opted out. Oh, my God, Tyler Shelvin opted out. Oh, my God, Justin Thomas is no longer on the team. Kerry Vincent isn't on the team anymore. What are we going to do? Relax. Relax. Take a deep breath. I've been doing yoga for the last four or five days. I'm trying to get better at breathing. So I'm going to do this with you guys. Inhale. Exhale. LSU football is going to be okay, guys. You're going to be okay. You lose Jamar Chase. He's a transcendent player. You can't replace Jamar Chase. But one thing that I know about LSU is that they've got ridiculously good wide receivers. You've still got Terrence Marshall. You've still got Eric Gilbert, the freshman tight end, who's supposedly going to be in contention to be the best tight end in the country as a freshman. You've got Coy Moore. You've got Trey Palmer, Racy McMath. You've got wide receivers all over the field. And you've got running backs for days. LSU's offense is going to be fine so long as they could block. And they haven't had anybody lead the team yet on the offensive line, so I think they'll be just fine there. Miles Brennan, I believe strongly in the power of Las Vegas. Las Vegas knows everything about what's going on in the world before we do. Miles Brennan, from the start of the camp to now, has moved up from having the 15th best odds to win the Heisman Trophy to having the third best odds of winning the Heisman Trophy. That means that little joker is kicking ass in camp right now. He's going to be just fine. LSU's offense is going to be just fine. On the defensive side of things, yeah, you never want to lose defensive linemen, bro. Like, I'm not going to be one who's going to say, ah, well, you could just replace Tyler Shelvin and Neil Farrow and Justin Thomas. Like, I'm never going to be one to say, you know, that, that you're better off without guys or anything like that. Depth always wins in the SEC. But I think that LSU's defense is going to be so much better coached in 2020 than it's been in years past that they'll be able to scheme up things a whole lot better. And I think this as well. I think their secondary is going to be dynamic, elite, and one of the best in the country. And if you could guard, uh, then you could blitz. Because if you could guard man-to-man and, and you know press and hold firm for four or five seconds, allow that rusher to go and get the quarterback – then you don't need your defensive line to be as dynamic. So I guess the general message is, yeah, LSU might not be as good as they were last year, but guess what? 
LSU probably is never going to be as good again as they were last year for the rest of all of our lives. That was a once-in-a-generation football team. Everything came together. So if you're going to tell me that LSU is going to still go, let's say, Debbie Downer, 7-3 and three or 6-4, and four, which I think they're going to actually be better than that, but let's say the worst-case scenario happens. Like, they're still going to be really doggone good. And another thing to, to, to pay attention to is that um, the NCAA has ruled that everyone who plays this year is not going to lose any eligibility. So Miles Brennan now has three years of eligibility left. Like, he's going to build into something that I think LSU fans are going to be awfully proud of. So just relax, man. Like, trusting what Coach Ogeron, in what Coach Ogeron is doing. How many times has this team been at rock bottom and then has outkicked its coverage? After the Troy game, people were wanting to fire Coach Ogeron after his first season with the team. All LSU did at that point was win almost the rest of their games and righted their ship. After the offseason following, when they were opening the season against Miami, idiots around the country and national media were saying that LSU wasn't even going to finish 500. That team ended up having one of the better seasons in, in recent memory, finishing in the top 10, winning a BCS bowl game. And then last year, everybody was saying, oh, this team's not going to exceed expectations. They're not going to be able to get over the hump. They've got too hard of a schedule. They won every single game they played and beat the ever-living hell out of everyone that they played in the back end of the schedule and was the best college football team of all time. So every time that we tell Coach Ogeron he can't, he does, and he exceeds expectations, LSU's going to be just okay, guys. Relax, take your blood pressure medicine. Uh, it's going to be okay. Lastly, and on a more political tone, I want to talk about the Big Ten. A couple weeks ago on this very podcast, your resident host, took a little bit of heat from some people who were emailing saying that my commentary about the Big Ten was off base. I said that the Big Ten was postponing football, not because of the dangers of the coronavirus, but because of political reasons, namely being their left-leaning university presidents wanted to hurt President Donald Trump's re-election campaign and were making the virus seem worse than what it actually is in an effort to smear the president, in an effort to... Um, make it more likely that he doesn't get reelected. I took a lot of heat from that. A lot of people gave me a lot of shit about that. Um, let's flash forward now. I made those comments about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Let's flash forward now to the present. When I made those comments, Joe Biden was leading President Trump by seven to ten points in most polls. That number has now narrowed to almost even. They're now almost running neck and neck. And one of the big reasons why swing state, Midwestern, Big Ten voters are siding more with the Republicans than the Democrats is because, is because that area loves football. And one side is for it, and the other side is against it. Quite frankly, that's where we stand right now. So now that the polls have tightened up, the Big Ten suddenly has come out of the closet and said, we're playing football in the fall crazy how that works right they're now looking to reopen their college football season in october like everyone else and the virus which was just three four weeks ago so unmanageable that we couldn't play until the spring is now completely manageable and we're going to be able to have a fall season for the big 10 it's completely embarrassing um every one of those university presidents should be ashamed of themselves for choosing their own political preferences over the preferences of their respective schools. And now they look 
uh, shamed and they look like sheep, quite frankly, for trailing behind the pack. They had an opportunity to objectively look at the data. And this is what I said whenever I made those original statements is, look, the virus has hit my own family. So I'm aware that it's real, but I'm also aware that you could do things to prevent it. Um, and you could do things to stop clusters from forming if you take the right measures and if you have the right resources and the right funding, all of which the Big Ten has. For all of those schools to, A, uh, report the numbers that they reported over the summer, which were tremendous. Michigan didn't have a single positive test the entire summer. Ohio State had a percent positive rate, something like 1% or 2% for the entire summer. So to look at that data in the eye and still tell those teams, hey, you're not safe to do this, was cowardly to begin with and then now to come out and go against those initial words and say oh yeah it's all it's good now we're good sorry we could play um as those poll numbers get closer and closer it's shameful it's despicable their pants has been pulled down before the entire country and now they've got to answer those questions if the virus wasn't safe three or four weeks ago for the big 10 then why is it safe now because literally nothing has changed Literally nothing has changed. We still don't have a vaccine. And by and large, you know, there are still clusters that form. We've learned a little more, but we haven't learned enough for the situation to be this drastically different today compared to where it was three or four weeks ago. The only thing that has changed are poll numbers, which now show President Trump drawing more even in the race than he was before. That's the only thing that's changed. And that's what this has always been about. I'm not saying that every shutdown was about politics because some of them were warranted. I was pro shutdown in Louisiana. I've been pro a slow, cautious reopening in Louisiana. But if you've got the numbers to back it up and you're still defying those numbers just because academia says it's not safe, then what are we even doing? Like that's that's not in the spirit of America at all. So kudos to everyone for calling out the Big Ten throughout. Kudos to everyone um, for keeping the pressure on those guys. And shame on the Big Ten presidents for now cowering out and showing their true hand, which was this was never about COVID safety. This was always about making a political statement. And that's deplorable. That's not the spirit of college athletics. And they have no place doing that. That's not their job. It's not their time. It's not their place. Your job is to make the best decision for your school. And you went against that. And now you're being shamed for it, and rightfully so. The Big Ten university presidents are cowards, and now they've been exposed, and that's nothing that makes me happier than that. And to everybody who gave me shame and grief whenever I made those original statements, where are you at? Where are you at? You, you had so much venom originally, where are you at? Because you were wrong. And if, if you continue to deny that that was the case, then you're even more wrong, and you look even more dumb than what you did before. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> Shifting gears very sharply to the MLB. We're at the halfway point in the MLB season. I'm going to talk some MLB and some NBA, and then we'll do our sports betting blitz, and then we'll wrap up. I'm not going to talk WWE right now. Um, but MLB, we're at the halfway point. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I made some MLB predictions, um, and I'm going to kind of grade myself here. You know, If I want to stick out my chest and, and poke fun at the Big Ten whenever I'm right, i got to be willing to – to eat some crow whenever I'm wrong. I made five MLB predictions in July on this very podcast. The first one, I said offense is going to surge in 2020. Um, just clever's wrong on that one. Offensive numbers are exactly the same this year compared to last. 
the number of runs per game is exactly the same this year as last. And the fact that the numbers are the same, given that all the games have been played during the summer when it's easier to hit, that actually means that the numbers are actually probably worse this year than last. So I whiffed on that one. I'm going to tell you the exact numbers here as I pull them up. Um, in 2019, teams were scoring 4.8 runs a game. This year, they're scoring 4.7 runs per game. The on-base percentage, exactly the same, 323. Home runs per game, 2.8 last year, 2.6 this year. ERA is slightly down. Strikeouts are slightly down. Um, so the offense has been pretty much identical this year compared to last, so I whipped on that one. Prediction number two that I made, I said the Red Sox will be a train wreck. I took some grief from this one. I got some Red Sox friends. The Red Sox are maybe the worst team in the entire American League. Um, so I, I hit a, a grand slam home run on that one. Um, and all the reasons that I said when I were explaining are exactly why. Their pitching is, is just terrible. They don't have any starting pitching. Um, their offense is okay, but it's not good enough to overcome their deficit in starting pitching. So if I get, you know, I get, I give myself a D for the first prediction about the offense, give myself an A for the second prediction about the Red Sox. We nailed that one. Number three, I said we're going to adopt the DH rule full time. I don't know whether or not we will or we won't, but I know that um, I enjoy the DH selfishly because my DH, Marcel Ozuna for the Atlanta Braves, is killing it. Hits a home run every game. Um, so I'm enjoying it. And look, I didn't think I would like the DH. I, I always have been kind of that outlier, that guy who enjoyed the strategy of the NL where you had to decide, hey, am I going to pinch hit for this guy? Am I going to, you know, bun? Am I going to let him swing away? Like, I always kind of enjoyed that strategy. But you know what else I enjoy? I enjoy watching big, you know, thick guys hit home runs. So <laughs> having the DH has been something that I didn't think I would like, but that I've come around to very quickly um, I can't grade my prediction three because, you know, I don't know if it's going to be adopted full time or not yet, but I think that people around baseball are kind of liking it and I'm, I'm liking the way we're trending there. Prediction four, I said the Astros will not pay for their cheating sins and by and large they haven't. They had some incidents earlier in the year with Joe Kelly, um, but other than that, there really hasn't been anything like the predictions whenever we were pre-COVID 162 game season were that like every series they were going to get beamed and people were going to get suspended and there was all this doom and gloom and that hasn't happened like at all um one thing that also hasn't happened is the Astros haven't played to their same level before all of this started which I think goes to show that maybe there was a little more to this cheating thing than what we would have liked to have admitted they're 21 and 15 two games out of first place in their division um, but it like 60 game season, you're not sacrificing a quality arm for 10 games, uh, to get revenge on Alex Bregman or, or Jose Altuve. That's going to happen next spring for spring training. That's going to happen next season and the 162 game season, like the 60 games, the real estate is just too precious. You just can't afford to, to hit those guys and lose your, 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 your arms right now, especially not at a time in the MLB where, Teams have so many injuries. Like, there are more pitchers on the DL right now in the 60-game season than there was in the 162-game schedule. So, pitchers are too precious. The time is too valuable. And the Astros haven't, by and large, paid the price at all. Number five, the last prediction I made was that the National League Central would be the best division in baseball. Um, yeah, I was, I was pretty wrong on that one. <laughs> uh, the best division in baseball is the American League Central. Um 
where there are four teams currently at or above 500. The Indians, White Sox, Twins, Tigers, and even the last place team, the Royals, have been competitive. Um, so I was wrong about that one. The Central only currently has one team above 500. That's the Cardinals. Uh, excuse me, the Cubs. The Cardinals are sitting at 500, 14 and 14. Uh, by the end of the weekend, they may be above 500. Um, so I whiffed. I whiffed on the Reds. I thought the Reds would be better. I whiffed on the Brewers, who were my pick to win the division. I thought they would be better. Um, so yeah, the, the Central is not the best division in baseball, and it's uh, quite frankly not close. My division picks, I did okay, uh, I guess. Um, for the AL East, I picked the Yankees, which doesn't look like it's going to happen. That looks like Tampa Bay's division. For the Central, I picked the Twins. They're a game and a half out of first, so they've still got a chance. For the West, I picked the Astros. They're two games out of first, so I still have a chance. The NL East, I picked the Braves. They're up on uh, Philly right now. That's looking good. Uh, the Central, I picked the Brewers. They're way out, uh, not looking great. And the West, I picked the Dodgers and they're cruising. So we did okay. Uh, we didn't completely swing and miss on anything. Uh, but MLB, man, there, there's everybody's back playing. There were COVID issues big. Now the teams are following the protocols more tightly. It's lightened up. Now that, um, you know, we have a more understanding and a greater, uh, you know, list of protocols for what to do when those outbreaks take place, we're having a better handle on the virus and are better doing a better job overall of limiting the spread. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, so much has happened since the last time I did a show. Like, I did a show not last week, but the week before, so like two weeks ago. Um, shit, man, it feels like the entire world is different. I mean, the NBA had to slow down with the you know, protest and you know, locking up the gyms for three days. Um, not going to touch on that. That's old news now. Um, but the NBA is chugging forward now. We're into the second round of the playoffs. I was absolutely hyperventilating a couple nights ago as my Rockets played a game seven against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which we won 104 to 102. A couple of things about uh, where we are now. Um, this postseason is exposing why. Giannis Antetokounmpo is not the MVP of the NBA. And this is going to sound jaded from a Rockets fan, um, but James Harden is the MVP of the NBA. Uh, James Harden does more to help his team than any other player. In that Rockets and Thunder series, when Harden played well, the Rockets won via blowout. When Harden didn't play well, the Rockets lost. And here's another thing I'd like to point out before we talk about things from the Bucks' perspective. It feels like, doesn't it? It feels like James Harden was terrible in the series against Oklahoma City. And I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I'm all over Twitter talking about, man, you've got to take the ball. You've got to shove it down their throat. James Harden against Oklahoma City averaged 30 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 8 assists with 1.6 steals and almost a block a game, only turning it over three times a game. He shot 46% from the field. Oklahoma City did everything right. When you're guarding James Harden, you've got to take away so many different things. The first thing you've got to do is you can't foul him because if you get undisciplined defensively and your hands are all over the place, he's going to initiate contact. He's going to literally shoot 30 free throws. So first thing you got to do is you can't foul him. They did that. They limited him to eight and a half free throws a game in the series. So they took that away. 
Second thing you've got to do, you've got to limit the space on his step back jumper. Lou Dort did that. Harden only shot 31% from three in the series. Then the third thing you got to do is you got to have length in the paint and not allow him to blow by the first guy and then get to the rim uncontested. By and large, Oklahoma City did that well too. So they did everything right, and he still averaged 30 points a game with eight assists. There's nothing you could do. And whenever he would lead the game, Houston was often leading by seven, eight points. By the time he got back into the game, Houston was often down. His plus-minus ratio in this series was sickening. There's no one that means more to their team than James Harden means to the Houston Rockets. You take him away, they would be a complete and utter train wreck. Case in point, early in overtime in Game 3, James Harden fouls out. The floor completely fell out from under the Rockets, and they got killed. They lost that overtime game by 12 points. You shouldn't be losing an overtime game by double digits. So now let's talk about the Bucks. Giannis, for as great as he is, and, I, and I'm not a Giannis hater. I truly am not a Giannis hater. But for as good as Giannis is, it at the ultimately at the end of the day becomes a drag race. And what I mean by that is you go to a drag race. It's really cool. You get to see cars going really fast, and you're ooh and you're on, and because, you know, hey, the car's going 250 miles an hour. Uh, the race is exciting. Every once in a while, something blows up. But once you've seen one of them, you've seen a million of them. And that's where I am with Giannis right now is that if it's not getting the rebound, running down the court with your head down, stop dribbling at the three-point line, take seven steps, travel all the way to the rim, and dunk it while bullying the entire defense, there's not a whole lot there other than that. So in the regular season, guys are hungover, not playing hard, and are physically tired, and they're not willing to sacrifice their body to get in front of the moving freight train. In the playoffs, they are. In the playoffs, they're going to take those charges, which has, A, gotten Giannis in foul trouble throughout the postseason, and B, has put Giannis on the line more, where he kind of has the ips. 58% free throw shooter in the postseason. That ain't any good. He's missed big free throws in Game 1 and Game 2 against Miami. So... If you're not going to give me the, the same output as the regular season, uh, you know, I don't know how great the value is there. Harden averages more assists. Harden averages more points. Harden averages more blocks. Harden averages more steals. The only thing he's got on him is rebounding. And, I mean, he's obviously a more efficient you know, scorer because the shots that he gets because of his size. Um, I, yeah, let, me, let me clarify this. I know that Giannis is going to win the MVP. I'm not that far in denial to the idea that Giannis is going to win a second straight MVP. But I think that if you removed both of them from the situation, I think that what you would find is that the Rockets would be far worse for the wear without Harden than the Bucks would be without Giannis. Because I watched in game two between the Bucks and the Heat, Giannis got in foul trouble, left the game, and Milwaukee actually made a run without him. Guess what's happening if James Harden gets in foul trouble, folks? Rockets are tanking. I've seen that first and foremost and firsthand far too many times. So I think that the Rockets, quite frankly, would be demobilizing the Heat right now in a seven-game series, um, whereas the Bucks are down 2-0. And I think that we've got to revisit this, and this all goes back to the thing that I touched on the last time I was with you guys, which was that 
we don't appreciate number 13 enough. And I know that he's got an opportunity now uh, to silence a lot of his critics and, and beat the Lakers. And we'll talk about that series in just a minute. Um, but, you know, we don't appreciate number 13 enough. In the worst series that he's played in the last two or three postseasons, he still averaged 30 points with eight assists and six rebounds and made the game-winning play, securing a block for his team. Uh, we got to appreciate the dude a little more. That's all I'm trying to get at. So let's talk about the remaining series, um, Rockets and Lakers. It's one thing to say, oh, the Rockets struggled with Oklahoma City. The Lakers are going to blow them out the water. That's a lazy analysis. The Lakers may well beat the Rockets, you know, and I'm, I'm actually predicting them to beat the Rockets in six games. But it's lazy to just say, oh, well, Oklahoma City gave them problems, so the Lakers will. Two completely different matchups. Oklahoma City is really good on defense. They have a really good perimeter defender in Lou Dort. They've got a lot of versatile athletic size um, that could challenge, you know, shots at the rim. And they're very disciplined. They don't foul you. There's that and the other. Um, and quite frankly, they got a little bit lucky in that first round series that Russell Westbrook didn't play the first two games. And then he had to come back in the middle of the series and the Rockets had to learn a whole new style in the middle of a playoff series, which is kind of hard. They kind of got a little bit lucky. Um, now with the Lakers, all of those things that Oklahoma City has, the Lakers don't have. The Lakers don't have a great perimeter defender. Portland was scoring 120, 130 points per game against the Lakers at times in that last series. Let's break down some of the scores there. Um, 193, that was a low-scoring game. Then 111, 88, the Lakers controlled that one. Then Portland scored 108, 115, and 122. Um, now, Portland doesn't play a lick, a shit's lick of defense, so the Lakers were able to outscore them and win the series in five games. But Houston is right now the number one defensive team in the entire NBA. So they're going to score. They're going to defend. Like, I could see a place where there are going to be a lot of close and competitive and hard-fought games in this series. I could see a place where this is a very contentious series. I could see a place where this one goes either way. Um, I'm picking Lakers in six because I like um, their championship experience, and I trust the fact that they'll get a bunch of calls at the end of games because of who their best players are. Um, but don't tell me that, you know, because the Rockets struggle with Oklahoma City, this is going to be a landslide. I watched these teams play against one another during the regular season, and the Lakers have had a hard time corralling Houston's guard. So I think this is going to be very entertaining, very exciting to watch. Now, the other game that will be taking place on Friday, can the Bucks get back into the series against Miami? I think they can. Um, but let me tell you something about, about Miami, man. Like, we're not talking about these guys at all. They haven't lost a single game in the playoffs. They swept Indiana and are leading the Bucks 2-0. They have not lost a single game in the playoffs. Like, we got to talk about putting some respect on people's names. Jimmy Butler is the most competitive guy in the gym every time he takes the floor. We've got to start respecting that guy. I think Miami has put themselves in a position to where they're in a great spot. I still would favor the Bucks to make a little bit of a run of it, make it a little bit more competitive. But give me Miami in that series. Now, the other two series, uh, I'm not even going to talk about Nuggets and Clippers. I talked about the Jazz and the Nuggets when that series was going on, and my thoughts were that's going to be a wild series, and it ended up being a wild series going to Game 7. 
But I ultimately also said that I didn't think either team could challenge the Clippers, and they can't. Denver's going to get beat decisively, just like they did last night. The Clippers are going to win that series, then win the next series, and then win the NBA championship. That's inevitable at this point. Um, So I'm not even going to really break that down. But I think this Toronto-Boston thing is going to really heat up. Boston's up 2-1, to should be up 3-0 if they would have not broken the fundamental rule of late-game basketball, which is why in the hell are you guarding the inbounder with 0.5 seconds left? Um, that, that blows my mind. But anyway, Toronto got a last-second shot uh, to win that game. And I think now you give a, you know, a, a stray dog a little bit of hope. Uh, they're going to have to deal with some stuff here. Boston is not going to be as tough. As Toronto is, I think Toronto is the toughest, grittiest team in the entire NBA. I think that one could go seven. I still slightly favor Boston because Toronto's having to really exert a lot of energy and play their rotation guys a ton. Kyle Lowry played 46 minutes last night. I don't know how sustainable that is. So I still favor Boston, but I think that's going to be one that's going to be an awful lot of fun for the rest of the way. Now we move to our sports betting blitz. Um... I can't believe that we're so close to the NFL. Like, I like it, it, it's completely escaped me uh, how how close we are to the NFL because without preseason, like we don't have anything to gauge it by. But the NFL season starts less than a week from now. Uh, you know, we were going to have the Chiefs and the Texans less than a week from now. So you know, the, and then a weekend, you know, the following weekend after the Thursday, we're going to have you know the Saints and all that, this, that, and the other. So. Man, it, it's we're moving in fast gear now. With skipping a week, I've still got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 teams to do in our betting blitz. So I'm going to take six today, and I'm going to take six the next time we meet, which will be before the start of the NFL season. So today I'm going to do Patriots, Saints, Giants, Jets, Raiders, and Eagles in our betting blitz, and we'll take it from there. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to say something to my people in my social media. Um, if you're going to make all these big political statements about what you are and are not boycotting, A, I think you're lying, <laughs> quite frankly, because everybody boycotted when Kaepernick and Yelp the first time and then came right back when the Saints were competitive. But if you're going to make those statements, don't be disrespectful to the people who disagree. Um, it's not uh, un-American to watch NFL. It's not... Uh, beneath someone to put a game on on a Sunday and try to enjoy it. You are the person who is delusional if you were looking at these guys as role models in the first place. That's a you problem. I've been in locker rooms before, and I understand those guys come from all wakes and, and walks of life, and they're just trying to make a living. They're just trying to do a job. And whatever they feel outside of their job, that's on them. It's not our role to believe in everything that they believe in. But it's our role as Americans to be respectful to everyone else. And if someone doesn't want to watch the NFL, that's cool. I don't think you're going to stand by it. Numbers historically say that people, by and large, don't abandon sports. That's cool. Do what you want to do. Um, But second, don't be disrespectful to people who do. Like if I put something on my Facebook about the Cowboys or the Saints, I really don't need the the constant commentary of, oh, bro, who gives a crap? I don't care about the NFL. Because you're, A, proving that you're a hypocrite by saying you don't care, but yet taking time to type something saying you don't care. So obviously you do care a little bit if you're taking the time out of your day to not just scroll past it. So yeah, just be a little more respectful. Uh, There are some people who are not um, 
interested in making a political statement at all times of their life and are interested in still watching sports, and we've got to be okay with that. Uh, so let's dive into it right now with the New England Patriots. The sports betting blitz says over under nine. Easiest one in the book for me. Under, they're not getting to nine. They barely got to nine last year with Tom Brady. They're not getting to nine with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is washed. Cam Newton doesn't have a throwing arm anymore. He's unwilling to run. This is the easiest one we've done so far. The Patriots are going to struggle. Their division is better. They're playing a first-place schedule. And everybody's got the bullseye on New England because everybody still dislikes New England. And now they've got an opportunity to bully them. They're going to take that opportunity. I don't see New England having a successful year. I think they're going to have a losing season. New Orleans Saints. Time to potentially piss some people off, right? Saints over under 10 and a half. Um, Saints won 13 last year. Um, I'm going to go over. I say I was going to piss people off. <laughs> and then, I, then I go over. I'm going to go over. I think New Orleans is going to be slightly worse than last year because I think they caught a bunch of breaks last year. Like you lose Drew Brees and then you don't lose any games at all. Like that's that's rare. That shouldn't have happened. Um, I'm going to go over. I think that their schedule's tough, but their roster's still very good. I think Drew Brees is slowing down pretty noticeably. Um, he's no longer a top three quarterback. He's just a top ten quarterback now, which is not anything wrong with that. But in close games where you're trying to win shootouts or whatever, the fact that back in the day you would score every single time you got the ball would be a big advantage now. They don't have that luxury anymore. But I'll still go over. I think New Orleans is going to be in a good position. I think they're certainly a playoff team. So with the Saints, I like their weapons. And let me tell you something. We're going to talk fantasy football a little bit throughout the remainder of the fall. Let me tell you something. Uh, Ty Montgomery is the guy you may want to draft. I think that he's going to have a big role in this team. Um, and if Alvin Kamara continues to whine and try to opt out of his deal and all that stuff, uh, Montgomery's role is going to grow. So uh, give me over for the Saints. The New York football Giants. Boy, talk about a train wreck. We'll talk about the Giants over under six and a half. They have Saquon Barkley, which is a good thing to have. They've beefed up their lines. I don't believe in their coaching staff. I don't believe in Daniel Jones. The East is pretty good. The Cowboys will be good. The Eagles will be good. I don't think the the Washington football team will be any good. And I apologize in advance if I call them the Redskins throughout the fall. Habits die hard. I still call the Rams the St. Louis Rams from time to time. I still call the Chargers the San Diego Chargers from time to time. So I'm going to call them the Redskins inevitably. I apologize to anyone who I may offend by doing that. It's not intentional. Um, But I'll go under for the Giants. But just slightly under. It's six and a half. I'll say they'll get five or six. Um, but to say over would mean that I'd have to think they're seven and nine. And I think that's kind of pushing it for them. So I'll go under for the Giants. I just don't think Daniel Jones is there yet. The Jets. This is a big season for the Jets, man. They're going to try to figure out whether or not their quarterback could play. Um, they're going to try to figure out whether or not they made the right move getting Le'Veon Bell. Um, they're over under six and a half. At times, they looked pretty good, right? I mean, they beat the hell out of the Cowboys last year. Um, they, they played well at times, but then their quarterback had mono, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> uh, he missed some time for that. Uh, people were questioning his dedication because apparently he's kind of a bar hopper. I think that they're going to be under for the same reasons as the Giants I'm just not ready to say seven and nine for the Jets yet I think six and ten is a nice cozy number for them so I'm gonna go under for the Jets um 
But I think it's going to, again, be this is one where Vegas really said the number right. I think it's going to be very, very close. Two more to go. I say Oakland Raiders. It's now not Oakland Raiders. See, I did it again. It's Las Vegas Raiders now. The Las Vegas Raiders over under seven and a half wins. I'm going over because history shows that when a team that has a little bit of talent, has a pretty good coaching staff, relocates, gets a new energy, new stadium, I think that that's going to benefit them. I think the Raiders are going to have an 8-9 win season. One thing that really makes me nervous about that pick, though, is the fact that the Raiders, Las Vegas government has already said they're not going to have fans for the remainder of the season. Uh, so they're not going to have a home field advantage at all in that beautiful new facility that they've built. So I think that hurts a little bit. Playing the Chiefs twice hurts a little bit. But I'm going to go over for the Raiders. I like some of the things they've done in the offseason. And a, a move that I think is going to help that team, which I think has had a little bit of a weak locker room in years past, you add Jason Witten to that mix now. Jason Witten's a leader. He's a competitor. He's not very good anymore, but he makes your locker room better. And he's going to be an extension of the coaching staff on the field. So give me over for the Raiders. I think they get to eight or nine. Last one today, the Philadelphia Football Eagles. Let's see what we've got here for the Eagles. Las Vegas says the Eagles are over or under nine and a half. I don't like what the Eagles did in the draft. Um, they picked Jalen Hurts way too high. You have Carson Wentz on a big contract, paying basically a premium price for a guy who at best is going to be Taysom Hill and at worst maybe a non-factor at all. I think that was kind of lame on their part. Um, but I've already talked about how I think Washington's going to still be behind, and I think the Giants are going to still be behind. So because of that, I'm going to go – this is hard because to say over nine and a half means I think they're going to go ten and six, which I don't know. Um, I'll go. I'll go over. I'll go ten and six for the Eagles, very reluctantly, um, because I could easily see them being nine and seven or eight and eight. So reluctantly, I say over for the Eagles, and that's going to put a bow on our sports betting blitz for today. I'm going to give you a couple of college football picks. And then we'll sign off, we'll wrap up, we'll do all that good stuff. We thank you guys so much for listening. Tomorrow, give me North Texas uh, and the 24 points to beat Houston Baptist. Tomorrow, give me over 54 points in Stephen F. Austin and UTEP. Tomorrow, give me, uh, let's see, give me... um, Army and three and a half against Middle Tennessee State. And then Monday, give me under 49 and a half points in BYU and Navy. I think that when you've got that much time to prepare for the Navy triple option, you'll be able to contain it and slow it down. I think that's going to be a defensive struggle. So we're going to wrap up right here. I thank Coach Brian Colley for his time. I thank you guys for listening to the Mac family. We're praying so heavily for you guys. I hope you guys could... Find peace and comfort in your trying time. We love you guys so much. To our neighbors and friends in West Louisiana, of which we have some subscribers in that area, we're thinking of you guys. We're praying for you guys. We hope you guys could get life back to normal. Um, Folks, if you have the means, like usually I spend time telling you guys, hey, rate me five stars. Go subscribe on iTunes. I'm not going to do any of that today. Instead, my request today is, if you have the means, and even if it's literally $1 spare, find you a charity that is giving their money and their time and their effort and their resources to West Louisiana because those people need it. That, that situation with the storm has been so underreported. I'm so 
upset with how that's been covered. A lot of places in that area are hurting very badly, but because it's not big cities and heavy, heavily populated area, the national media is acting like those people don't even matter. Um, there are people there who are hurting very badly. There are people there who are, uh, who've lost everything. Uh, so if you could give them uh, even so much as go through your closet and, and find some clothes you could donate, that could be used. Batteries, bottles of water. There have been so many people on our bayou who have done so much. I thank you all so much for doing that. And for anybody in that area who is listening, uh, we're thinking of you guys. We're praying for you guys. And we sincerely hope from the bottoms of our heart that you guys can get through this. We know you can. We know you got the strength and we know that you've got God on your side. So we're going to sign off right here. We're thinking and sending good vibes to everybody. Um, we'll wrap up. We'll be here next week. We should be on our normal schedule from here on in. So God bless everybody. Have a great weekend. It's been the Casey's Corner Podcast. And um, be safe, be cautious, be mindful of our guidance and our regulations during this Labor Day weekend. Let's continue to go forward. Going backward is for the birds. Let's continue to go forward. God bless everybody.